Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. Welcome back to Legends from the Fireside. In the last episode of the show, Morris and Terry Ed managed to narrowly avoid danger and potentially death at the hands of Salisbam and his henchmen. Salisbam, welcoming them deceptively into their camp under the guise of a kind traveler, had attempted to rob them of their hard-earned treasure. Unfortunately for him, he opened the parcel and the jar of strange alchemical powder within. After inhaling it and sneezing, the henchman and himself succumbed to the potent powder, dropping to the ground unconscious. The duo then grabbed the parcel, as well as stealing a magical spear, a ring, and a potion from these unconscious villains, as well as some of their jewelry. Then they hit the road without a moment's rest. Morris and Terriad then decided to get the bare minimum rest at the Crossroads Trade Post, only to find out that the infamous Talagor the Master of Fear had raided a nearby village, displacing many to this trade post. Once the duo enter the town of Oak Hollow, they receive payment for the return of the parcel, but unfortunately they agreed to part ways from Silverfingers after disclosing what had happened to his friend and theirs, Finn. We then get a level up for the party, getting some hard-earned stat increases and some HP, as well as a spell. Lastly, we discover the true nature of Salisbam and the horror of how he honed his magical skills. Before we begin this episode, let's go over some of the magical gear. Since the duo finally have some opportunity for rest in the town of Oak Hollow, now, naturally, in old-school gaming, usually we discover the way that gear works through experimentation, or perhaps through the use of a spell like Identify. In the case of a show like this, I think it would be a little bit difficult for our party to have to creatively and curiously discover the uses and purpose of such gear. And so, I will just assume that given downtime, as our party have right now, they would naturally figure out some of these strange purposes. So I'm going to find some creative ways with how the party would find the uses of these items. First, the spear that Morris had stolen was a plus two spear, but not just any plus two spear. The impressive detailing of the shaft and the blade resemble climbing ivy, 
expertly crafted by elven weaponsmiths. Unfortunately for Morris, he cannot tell the name of the spear is written on the blade itself, since he doesn't know how to read elvish. Instead, he realizes the true power of the weapon when he was wandering about Oak Hollow on one of the two days that he and Terriad has spent resting. He noted an ordinary swallow looking to him with an odd intelligence. Picking up on this strange intelligence in its glare, Morris stepped forward and warmly greeted it with a whistle. It chirped a beautiful song back to him, but to his ears, this was not merely song, but instead, it was a greeting. In his mind, the music of the bird became much more than just that. At first, alarmed, he became curiously overjoyed at such a simple enchantment that opened him to a totally new world full of new experiences. The ruby ring which he had taken from the warrior revealed its power when he sat by the fire one of the two nights they rested. He realized the fire's heat was limited when he reached towards it to stoke the flame. Again, his curiosity was piqued when he reached his hand into the flame and noticed that it just warmed his skin and did not burn him in any way. Not wanting to overextend the protections afforded by such a ring, he pulled his hand back. For all intents and purposes, the spear itself grants him the ability to speak with birds once per day, as if they shared a common language. As far as the ring, it's merely a ring of fire resistance. Unfortunately for Terriad, however, the potion he had was not as exciting. In the common tongue, the words Potion of Speed were clearly labeled on the side. Though useful, it seems not as useful. The duo took this opportunity to also purchase a mule with side bags, a tent made for two, and seven days of rations each. Additionally, Morris had purchased some old dusty scale mail from a traveling armorer. I want to make a side note here and say that while I am using old school essentials as the primary rule set, I have adopted the armor class system from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons in order to add more granularity to things like armor class. So, for all intents and purposes, the scale mail armor will be different from the usual armor system of old school essentials. This new armor brings his armor class to a 6, since he is holding a shield and he has a dexterity penalty. Lastly, and before we jump back into the episode proper, Terriad and Morris had noticed in their two days while they were resting in Oak Hollow that the people were behaving rather strangely. There was no fishing in the river water, and nobody was cleaning their clothes within this water either. The tavern that they had been staying in, the Smoke and Sap, had a well out front. This well was guarded. It was very strange to see, but there appeared to be more guards watching the well water than anywhere else. Terriad and Morris, after staying in the tavern, had realized water was being sold from the well at a premium. It seemed people didn't feel safe drinking water from the river or doing much else with the water of the river. People began to speak more of the sleeping sickness, and it became painfully clear to Morris and Terriad, now that they were well rested, it was time that something was done about this 
sickness. Chapter 7, Part 1, Day 12, Party Status, Morris, 10 out of 10 hit points, Terriad, 10 out of 10 hit points, Terriad has prepared the spell, Cure, cure Light Wings. It was late in the morning at the Smoke and Sap Tavern when Morris had shuffled downstairs to meet his companion for breakfast. The smell of hickory smoke which has stained the tavern with its rustic and tantalizing aroma for decades, filled Morris's lungs as if with a warm embrace. The tavern itself was filled with laborers who were heading out soon for their late afternoon duties. When he sat down next to Terriad at the bench of their usual table, he let out a hearty sigh and clapped his companion on the shoulder. A good morning to you, Terriad. Have you eaten? Terriad replied without looking up from the small wood block he had been carving. I am willing to guess that much of the town has eaten by this point, Morris. I'd recommend you get whatever is left of the cheese and wild berries that the barkeep has laid out. As Morris smiled at the attitude of his friend, he stood up and approached the bar. Behind him, the door creaked open, as if in an attempt at secrecy. The room went silent, and Morris could hear people shifting in their seats to view this newcomer. To Morris's surprise, the person behind him was a diminutive fellow, with short charcoal-colored hair, rosy cheeks, a leather apron, and thick sideburns. This man was a gnome. Standing only about three and a half feet tall, he was barely taller than Morris's own waist. I will now roll for a reaction to see how the crowd is willing to deal with the gnome. I got six, minus one for the charisma of the gnome, Leaves us with a five. Not great, but not violent, I suppose. Suddenly, the crowd began to grumble at the sight of this short and stout fellow. One man, from the grumbles, shouted out to him, When are you and your damned boss going to take responsibility for what you did to our river? The gnome, startled by the shout, as if it was a lightning strike merely a yard away, leapt aside and hurried to the bar. In a squeaking voice, he hollered up at the barkeep. Uh, hello? I have been sent here to retrieve the cheese and sausage for Darlio, if that's okay. The barkeep looked puzzled by the nervous mannerisms and went to retrieve a small basket of the aforementioned food. Before bringing it back to the counter, the man who had shouted had stepped forward to approach the gnome. I said, when are you going to own up to having tainted our water you stubby maggot! As he shouted, he reached forward and jabbed him with a finger. As Morris began to assess the situation and prepare to make a move on behalf of this nameless gnome, the door swung open again, and the sound of stiff leather boots stepping gracefully into the tavern hushed the confrontation. What are you doing to Belgin? As she briskly walked into the tavern, her long brown hair flowed in cascades. As she stopped mere feet from the two, she leaned onto one hip and looked both of them over as if one would own up to some sort of wrongdoing. I will now roll another reaction to Belgin for this new character, with no penalty. I got a six, so she is really just here to get to the bottom of the situation. Well? As the woman's cool blue eyes fell on the man harassing the gnome Belgin, he folded under the pressure. 
I know for a fact that Belgen and his good-for-nothing boss Darlio could be helping us, and they're choosing not. Not until we pay them or something. You know it to be true, Thanel. The woman, Thanel, looked to him with a criticizing glare, and he knew his suspicions weren't going to be honored here. Not like this. Well, it's not that simple, I'm afraid. Belgen squeaked into the conversation. We have tried to find some sort of solution, but it's just not that simple. Thanel then trampled his bumbling excuses by sternly replying. Then let's all go speak with Darlio and see what he needs done to hurry this along, shall we? Belgen began to stammer again, but before he could get a word in edgewise, she stated proudly to the crowd, If there is a way that I may help Okalo in this trying time, I will do so, no matter the cost. As the crowd began to applaud Thanel, she turned and walked out of the tavern. During this entire exchange, Morris was awestruck by this woman. Though his last days here in Okalo had begun to turn his dour mood around, seeing a person like Thanel take charge in this way and command a crowd left him with an odd feeling he hadn't felt in years. Before he could stop himself, he followed close behind her as she marched out the door. Terry had saw this and leapt up to stop him. Let's roll one last reaction check for Morris, as he does whatever he plans on doing next. I got a five. It's not great, but certainly an awkward interaction, I'm sure. As Thanel descended the stairs outside of the tavern, Morris grabbed her shoulder and said, Hey, wait! She turned on him with a confused and agitated expression. His heart sank as she looked at him, and he fought his own stammering to get a few words out that would help keep her from hitting him in the face. I'm a stranger to this land, but I would be honored to join you on your quest to uh, end this sleeping sickness. I am Morris, a mercenary. Terry had cleared his throat noisily, and without turning to look at him, Morris added, And this is my traveling companion, Terry had, a traveling priest of Hemwall. She was puzzled by everything she has just been told, but she eyed his weapon and armor and nodded, agreeing to his help. Just don't get in my way and we'll be fine. It's nice to meet you, Morris, mercenary and stranger to this land. As she turned away and headed towards Darlio's home and lab on the hill, Morris turned back to Terriad with a grin from ear to ear, and both Belgin and Terriad rolled their eyes. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. Chapter 7, Part 2, Day 12, Midday Party Status Morris, 10 out of 10 hit points Terriad, 10 out of 10 hit points Terriad has prepared Cure Light Blues As the party and a small crowd from the tavern climbed the hill to Darlio's small and humble home, Thanel walked up to the door 
and knocked. Belgin cringed with each knock and knew his teacher Darlio would scold him for this nonsense while he was attempting to get his work done. Thanel, not waiting to hear a response at the door, began to yell with a proud and resounding voice. On the behalf of the people of Okalo, lend us your ear. We three ask you to give us some way to relieve this town of its plight. Let us discuss these matters, lest you reveal how little you care for us and our troubles before all of these good people gather here today. The door slowly cracked open and revealed a small and wrinkled gnomish face. The small bifocals hanging on the end of his long hooked nose glinted in the daylight. His face quickly turned to a scowl and his white wispy beard waggled as he answered, Would you quiet down? If you'd like to help, come inside, but cease the shouting at me while I'm working. Party shuffled in quickly, and found themselves in a very cramped workspace. The home itself was initially intended for a human, but it has clearly been renovated for gnomish sensibilities, with collections of odds and baubles, small furniture, and stained glass filtering light in the windows. The little old gnome named Darlio had plenty of alchemical supplies laid out on his table, and he angrily shoved it aside while pulling up a bench for the party to sit at uncomfortably. As the group sat down, Belgin went to sit beside them and received a fiery glare from his teacher and decided he would stand instead beside Darlio. I am a very, very busy man, so I will be brief with this information. You want to help me? Then you will run an errand for me. Just tell us what needs doing and it will be done, Darlio replied Thanel. Darlio patted the air hurriedly as he said, Right, yes, great. What I found is that this sleeping sickness is likely the product of some sort of alchemical runoff. What we need is some sort of a depressant stabilizer, something to neutralize the chemicals at work in the water system. There's a fungus called Iron Bloom, which is very capable of this, but it is likely hard to find around these parts. The only place it grows consistently is in the vicinity of old oxidized metals that are settled with carbon-rich substrate. As the party looked confused at Darlio, even Belgin seemed to still be discerning what he might have meant by this. Darlio continued, We need to find fungus growing within an old forge, or on an old anvil, one that hasn't been touched in ages. Luckily for you, I know of a place where this could be. There is an old monastery not far from here, in the forest northwest of Oak Hollow. There, at one point they employed a blacksmith to, to forge nails and bands for barrels. Thanel, do you know of this place? I'll roll a tracking check to see if she knows of the location. Seeing that she is of this area and a ranger, I will give her official stats a little later. On percentile die, I'll say that she has a 40% chance of knowing this location. I got a 68. So, unfortunately, no, she does not. Thanel looked puzzled. Then she replied, I'm afraid I do not. But knowing this area, I'm sure only goblins and vermin would have moved into an abandoned place such as that. Not a problem for us. She said while nodding and looking down the line at Morris and Terriad. Very well. If you can retrieve these, I will be one step closer to solving all of our problems here. And with that, the party left, leaving Belgin behind with his teacher 
and heading back to the crowd at the Smoke and Sap Tavern. As they enter, people inquire immediately. What did that short fellow have to say for himself? Thanel replied without any hint of fear for the task ahead. We will leave in the morning to find necessary components to cure us of this plight. The alchemist has provided us with a quest, and we will find the cure or die trying. Now I'm going to roll a final, and this time for real final, reaction of the crowd to her speech. I got a nine. So the crowd eats this up, and they begin to cheer for Thanel and Mars and Tariad for taking on this challenge. As evening falls, the free drinks for the soon-to-be heroes flow merrily. Thanel sat with Tariad and Morris to discuss these final matters. So, you say you're a mercenary. What have you done lately to leave me to believe I can trust you to watch my back in a fight? Morris nearly choked on his ale at this blunt question, but he cleared his throat and subtly puffed his chest as he said, We retrieved a package for a merchant. We had to fight an entire gang of gnolls in the process. I slew many myself with a weapon of half the quality of this spear. Terry had noticed that when recounting this tale again, Morris did not seem as pained by the tragedy of losing their companions in that fight. Perhaps Morris's infatuation with Thanel was enough to shift his young and foolish mind. He smiled slightly and sipped at his ale, watching Thanel listen to his every word and watching Mars slowly behaving like the warrior he was slowly becoming. As the patrons drunkenly left the tavern and the moon rose to its highest point, Thanel went to bed, leaving just the duo at the table. Tariad said, breaking the silence, Is it love? Mars then spat out his sip of ale and turned to him stunned. Tariad, clearly a bit inebriated himself, chuckled, and tapped his friend's shoulder. Relax, my friend. I'm just as happy to work alongside someone like her. My heart yearns for the road, and she seems the restless sort. Perhaps this is also a sign. I think Hemwall may be providing me with the last of the signs before I'm imparted with my first blessings. Morris looked at him incredulously and replied, Terriad, you're drunk. Perhaps it is time for bed. Terriad swung his hands about and hushed Morris. Trust me, friend. I need you to trust me with this. Terriad then held out the knife they'd used earlier to cut their roast and held the blade to Morris's hand and asked him to offer him a finger. Morris, realizing the priest was not playing around, cautiously unraveled his pointer finger. As Terriad sliced his finger, a sanguineous dribble loosed from the cut, and Morris winced. Terriad looked at him and said as they locked eyes, Trust me, friend. Terriad's eyes closed, and he closed his hand over the wounded finger. Morris felt a slight burning and then a quick searing heat. As he pulled his hand away, as if from the burning pan, he looked and saw no wound on his finger at all. Terriad stood up and smiled knowingly and proceeded up the stairs to his room, turning back only to say, The path continues. It continues ever onward, Morris, 
ever onward. Germanus Personae, Belgian Gem Sledge, otherwise known as Belgozio, otherwise known as Bello, otherwise known as Belly, otherwise known as Gobo. Belgian was, for all intents and purposes, a very intelligent gnome. He was studious, and he worked hard. As an alchemist's assistant, he knew that all the things he would learn would need to come from days of studying and hard, hard work. His hands would blister, they would become callous, and they would crack. The odd chemicals would harm his lungs, sting his eyes, and oftentimes do strange things to his skin and his hair. Belgin had come from a long line of gem cutters and craftsmen, all which now live within Thedal, operating out of a guild hall. Belgin was given a very strange opportunity, as he was to become an enchanter, an illusionist, or an alchemist. Darlio was well known to the gnomes of Thedal. He operated outside of the city by personal choice and rarely took on students. The students that he did take on would become very powerful mages in their own right. Belgin was regarded as a very bright and brilliant young man, and when given the opportunity, it seemed perfect that he study under Darlio. At first, the tasks that Darlio had given Belgin seemed like grunt work and very tedious, basic labor. Having to sort various components alphabetically, day in and day out, counting individual grains of sand, day in and day out, labeling, relabeling, removing and cleaning things, day in and day out. It nearly drove him mad. But, like many of his kind, Belgin found ways to entertain himself during the day. He would come up with new songs. He would find strange games to play. At one point in time, he made a game out of naming each grain of sand that he found. Truly, he was an optimist. He had a good heart, and truly, a good soul. In his heart of hearts, all he really wanted was to do good by his family and by those he cared about. He was willing to do whatever it took to do the right thing. On the night that Thanel, Morris, and Terried had agreed to help the town, Darlio had turned to Belgin as soon as they had left and gave him a very disgruntled and unpleasant look. I cannot believe that you would allow them to come back here. Belgin looked afraid at this point, fearful of what Darlio might do to him. But I understand why you did it. Someday, Belgin, you will understand. Though we are small, and though we are seen as outsiders to the humans of this land, we, we do much in the shadows. At this point, Belgin looked up from his glum expression and stared at Darlio with an inquisitive look on his face. 
Darlio was now looking out of the window and watching the trio move down the hill and back to the tavern. He turned around and faced Belgin and gave him a very understanding look. One that was not angry, one that did not seem like he was disappointed. Instead, he looked proud. He walked over to Belgin, and as he did, he tilted his head, and in the most endearing voice he could, he said, I think your days of studying beneath me are coming to an end. You have learned much. This I know to be true. You are going to do great things. I trust you with that. To do such things, you will have to do things that push you to your limits and push you out of what you would call comfortable. I did not take any pleasure in lying to those three as he looked back over his shoulder again out the window and saw they were far from sight. I... I think I have a better idea of what is going on. I had a student, a student similar to you, years ago. He told me he would return one day, and that I would deeply regret not teaching him, and not providing him the tools that he told me he required. So, I think it may be... At this point, Belgin interrupted abruptly. You're trying to tell me that you know what's going on here? Darlio furrowed his brow and began to rub his temples. There was one named Alquode. Alquode the Vile. At the time, he was not such. Sure, he was motivated, brilliant even, but he was never evil when I knew him. But his desire to, to learn secrets with an alchemy, it pushed him to madness. Unfortunately, I caught him stealing from me one day, and he told me it wasn't theft. It was progress. He was working on new poisons. I sent him away angrily. Last I knew, he had gone to Bronze Buckle, and he was operating out there. But seeing such strange alchemical compounds in the water... Darlio turned back to Belgin with a look on his face of pure confusion. I... It could only be one person. So, I need you to do one last task for me before I send you on your way and let you do what you need to do personally. I need you to go follow them to the monastery. If it is the case that it is Alquod, I want you to end it. His perverted view on alchemy leads to issues like this. He does not care who is harmed and what the cost is. He must be stopped. I need you, Belgin, to please, please, find bravery, find strength, and solve this issue for us. If you can do that, you are truly an alchemist. And you will have my respect. Sincerely. He nodded his head in a sign of respect to Belgin. Belgin 
was very caught off guard by the sincerity of his teacher's actions. He had never seen Darlio behave this way. It made him feel cared for. And in the end, Belgen loved nothing more than companionship, friendship, and the kindness of those around him. At this point grinning, Belgen looked up at Darlio and said, I won't disappoint you. I will, I will do this. For you, for me, for Okalo. And with that, he slammed his small pudgy fist upon the tabletop. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. In the past week, I actually received my first written reviews. The first one comes from dmanly45, who said, Found this great new solo old-school gaming recently, and absolutely loved it. Interesting characters, good story, and that old-school game feel that is a lot of fun to listen to. Give it a try. I want to thank you, dmanly. Not only for saying such kind words, but for being the first one to post a review like this. It's been a bit difficult getting the hang of this kind of podcasting, but it certainly is rewarding to know that people enjoy it. And especially with such a huge uptick in listeners in the past couple weeks, I'm definitely very appreciative of all the kind words that you have to say. And I'm more so glad that you guys are enjoying it. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com.